Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode of the Human Centered Leadership Podcast. Uh, Great to have you here. As you know, this podcast is all about human centered leadership. What does that mean? Well, in practice, it's all about how does emotional intelligence show up in a whole variety of industries. We get to speak to people who are at the very top end of their game or people who I respect in their industry uh, and the incredible things that I see them doing. These people exude, live and practice emotional intelligence in everything that they do. But they will be practicing different elements of emotional intelligence. And the idea of this podcast is that any leader can pick up on this podcast, listen to it and hopefully take away at least one tiny little bit that will help them to have more productive stuff, more happy stuff and better workplace cultures. Our guest today is a lady that I've been following for a while. I feel a bit starstruck, actually, because she's a bit of a she's a bit of a LinkedIn <laughs> sensation. So I have been following Francesca Tricarico for several months and I have watched how and I even forgot what she did to be quite honest because I'm just like glued to her videos and her videos are about day-to-day life and currently they're about her fitness journey but Francesca is the managing director of Future Cloud Accounting. Uh, This is a company that she only started three years ago and ladies and gents if I tell you that this company has grown to exponentially over that period of time, I guess you'll get a sense of uh, what this, what is so special about this lady. So Francesca, can I just say, first and foremost, thank you for spending time. I know how busy you are. Thank you for spending time on our podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're all busy, aren't we? You make time for the things you want to do, I feel. Absolutely. And you know, one of my things is no matter how busy you get, I always have this philosophy that you should always have as you climb the ladder, one hand reach behind you so that you're helping other people climb up. And really, that's what this podcast is all about, is to help other leaders, maybe future leaders, you know, take some nuggets of gold away from people who are living and breathing emotional intelligence. So listen, Francesca, I, I need to ask you first and foremost, your current videos, yeah, um, and I watched your video this morning, by the way, I actually commented on it. Your current videos are really about your fitness journey. And I love the authenticity that oozes out of your videos because this video this morning was really about, do you know what? I go to the gym and yeah, I've been trying really hard on my body. and I, I know how important it is, but I hate stretching. And as yeah. soon as you said that, I thought, that's me. My wife is always telling me off, why don't you stretch in the gym? She doesn't go to the gym herself, mind you, but she's always telling me off, you should be stretching. <laughs> You're warming up, warming down. I don't do any of that. I go straight into it. I go straight in. <laughs> and then I don't know what made me think about this. And then I thought, 
I was getting injury, quite a few injuries. I'm always suffering with muscle soreness, even though I should be used to it by now. And I've noticed that I'm clicking a lot. <laughs> I know it's an age thing. I know it's an age thing as well. And I thought I need a bit of a, I would like a little bit of a challenge. And for years and years and years, I've always liked the idea of doing the splits, but I assumed it's for only people that can do gymnastics or something. And I was never good at gymnastics. And I just set about from January, I've downloaded an app and I've literally done it every single day of stretching, focused on that. Apart from one day, I forgot about it, but I did every day since Jan. And how closer are you to doing the splits now? I posted yesterday on LinkedIn my before and after. I'm, li I'm miles away. I'm talking, this is year, This is going to be a good year. <laughs> it's not I think quick, you'll surprise yourself. Well, it's not a quick fix, but I, do, I have improved in the last couple of weeks, if I'm honest. So I'm 55 years old and I'm seeing a lot of my friends around me and, and relatives now. And they're clicking away, just like you described. Yes. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're old, by the way. But they're clicking away. I've had some friends who had hip operations. I've got friends who, when I watch them walk, they're walking like old people. They're very stiff. And I didn't realize how important hips are in this whole scheme of things in terms of how you operate and show up. Um, so I decided that, um, like you, I'm going to try and do the splits as well. And I thought there's never, an age should never be a barrier to anything, right? So I download, I, I got this program. It wasn't much. And it's something to do with hyperbolic stretching. I don't know what that means. I'll, I'll be honest, but it sounds impressive. Mm. But there's a, it's a program really for older men and it teaches them how to get, uh, how to stretch more and more. I've tried it this morning and you talk about muscle soreness. I can't move this morning. <laughs> Honestly. I feel you pain. Well, apparently in eight weeks time, I should be able to do either side splits or front splits. And when I do it, I'm going to send you a, a, a photo. I'm not going to post it on LinkedIn. I'm not as brave as you, but I will send you a, a photo. Yeah, well, I felt embarrassed. I was I, last night. I debated whether to post it. Why are we like? Does it matter? It doesn't, what, does what, it? What you've been brave? Just post it. And that is what I love about your videos. They are so raw. They are so authentic. Sometimes they are about you just coming out from the gym. You're in your car. You're laughing at yourself. Uh, I mean, this morning you laughed at yourself because you didn't know what you were going to say, right? But then there's a really important message in all of that. So we're talking about stretching and people what are listening to this uh, program right now might say, well, what's that got to do with the key message? Well, there was. There was, there was something really powerful in the statement that you made. You talked about um, why it's so important for you to have a routine why you should do a little bit every single day and the impact they have. Do you want to just share what your views were? What what was the reasoning behind your video this morning? I do. I'm a big believer in your personal life affects your business life and daily habits and the challenge, the discipline it takes to achieve a goal. Um, and it's so true. And it's the same with business. And I also like the idea of tracking. Um, and I'm a big believer in tracking your business but why not track your personal life and, and achieve small things there? Like so, so many people laugh at others for doing fitness, walking more, walking in the rain and that. But I'm embracing that and I'm sharing that it's who cares for the people that laugh. If it's helping you, then go for it. And that's kind of my post was I've done it every single day. And you can see a very slight improvement and take photos and don't be afraid to be, take a selfie, take a photo, share your progress, help others. That's brilliant. And, it's, and you know what? So true. But it takes courage to do that in this world. And we, we live in this very fragile world nowadays where people are worried about what others might say, say or think of them. 
Um, I, I study uh, a lot of uh, work around fear and anxiety, and there's a there's a piece of work done by a guy called Dr. Carl Albrecht, and he talks about the five supreme fears, and the biggest of the five supreme fears is what we call uh, ego death. And ego death is uh, where we start worrying about how people will judge us in life. And he says, everybody's got it. Everyone's got this ego death. It just translates into different things. I look stupid or they'll think I'm fat or they'll think this, you know. And we, so we all have this ego death. But in this world of, you know, social media, that's become really, really powerful. So I think one of the battles is that you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone and get comfortable with who you are as a, as a human being, right? There's a lot of people on social media who can be whoever they want to be and it's not necessarily real and that's the, the worrying part to it and you have to ignore that. 100%. And talking about being 100% real, how important is it for you to have been as authentic as you are on social media in your leadership journey? I mean, you have had an incredible leadership journey, haven't you? Uh, three years, gone from zero to to where you are right now as a single mother, you know, and you've been doing all of this. Do you want to just tell us a bit about your journey and tell me about how you found authenticity and how it's played a part in your leadership journey as well? I came from a very corporate background with a business that I used to work for. And I I do find that you have to put on a bit of an act in the professional world as such. Um, a lot of people think to be professional, you have to wear a suit hold back your comments, hold back a joke um, and don't share your personal life sort of thing. And where, before I even started the business, I already had that vision that I wanted to share my personality. I was very different and unique. I did. I was quite direct. Um, and I also knew that that directness would help our clients so we can just share with them or tell them exactly how we think they should do their accounts and. Um, and also to grow the business, I thought, you know what, social media is massive and it's going to only get bigger. So I want to be do the bit more of a personal branding alongside the business brand. Um, and it, that, I think that's what's done it. We're different and we, we keep being different and we like to just be ourselves. And it makes and, it, and clients love that as, as well because they can relate to it as they're growing their own businesses. I think, why can't you be real and say the real highs and lows of growing a business? Doesn't mean you won't grow it. <laughs> In fact, you grow it more. Yeah, because I guess there's going to be people out there that are so scared of talking about the highs and the lows, the lows in particular, because they don't want other potential clients, other businesses thinking, well, I'm not going to do business with that, that individual or that business because they're not doing very well. But what you're saying is actually the more you do that, the more people realize that you're being authentic. And I think in this current world that we exist, authenticity and true values shining through are very, very important in the whole concept of relationship building. Yeah. You know, I've even shared how we've quoted customers or clients that we may have lost and the reasons why, and it's not necessarily always your fault and you learn from it and you're going to make mistakes. Um, in fact, the more mistakes you'd have made at the beginning is good for the learning, you know, um, so it is, but it is difficult being vulnerable on social media. I'm not going to lie. So many times I was anxious thinking, oh, is that too much? But I really wanted to share it. So I thought embrace that feeling and do it anyway. Even if you only get one like, you may have helped that one person on that post. And I, and I stuck to that. Even in the sea of people pretending they're doing better than me, pretending this, that, the other. I then started noticing those same people changing the way they do their own promotion and the way they do their posts and then sharing all of a sudden they had a bad week, they've lost a client, they've done, and I thought, oh my God, it's like a knock-on effect and this is great. Yeah, because, you know, LinkedIn, I've been on LinkedIn, what, what 10 years now, um, 
uh, from the days when I used to be a senior police officer and I used to be on LinkedIn. I used to watch how things and I, I remember people used to say to me, don't post too much. People within the police service, used to, don't post too much on LinkedIn. It doesn't look good. And now I see lots of current police officers putting stuff on LinkedIn and they'll be saying things. And I saw one yesterday and says, I'm so proud that, uh, you know, I've just got my long service award, uh, medal, which is something that you get around about 22 years service. And she'd put on this, she'd put a wonderful post. She said, that's 20 odd years of me not being home on time. That's 20 odd years of watching other people earn twice of what I'm earning for half the thing, half the risks that I'm. And she'd just put this whole list down. She got like 300 likes and she'd got like 15,000 views or something like that. And I thought, wow, that's unheard of. That w Nobody would want to listen to a UK police officer talking about these kind of things back in the day. So I think the way people see relationships has changed. They want to see authenticity. And relationship building is so central to the whole uh, aspect of emotional intelligence. And, and and you're doing this. You're building relationships all the time. And I'm guessing that that relationship building is so important to you getting your clients, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. They trust you the more you're honest, to be honest. It's all about trust. Trust is like foundational in any good relationship that you might have. If you haven't got trust, then you haven't got a good relationship. And then I feel like the personal branding, people getting to know me, Charlotte, what the business is about, was also helps with when you um, take on employees and they've watched your journey, they want to be a part of it, they get it, that their personality is the same page, they want to embrace who they are. It's um, it does have a knock on effect, but to be honest, our employees they're not they're not big on social media. <laughs> That's the weird thing about it. They can see that I've done it and Charlotte does a bit, but they're not big themselves on there. But that's OK. Everyone's different. But it is fascinating, isn't it? It is. So what you're saying is that they, they watched you, they saw you, and they sort of gra gravitated towards you, didn't they? Yeah. As, a, as an organisation. So I'm guessing that you've got employees that sort of want to be there as opposed to I'm, I'm just doing it for the paycheck. 100%. In fact, that yeah. I know it's true, just that how, how, the way we hired them and the questions we asked, um, and they know we're a growing company. We're very honest with them, where the business is at. We've always, I said, we're going to be honest from day one. We have made mistakes, but we'll own it. We share it. We talk about it, work it out, and then always ask them what they want within the company too. You know, they've got a say, and, you know, and, and this is what I'm, big, I'm all about that. How do you ensure that you get the right kind of people coming into your organisation? What sort of questions do you ask then? I suppose I don't even have a set question. I think it's more having that chat and rapport. When you, you have that chat with them, you kind of know whether they're the right fit. More, It's more of attitude for me. To be honest, I don't even really need to see a CV. The only difference with the CV, we do need to know the qualified and what they've done, I suppose. But I don't even need it in a CV format anymore. I've had people inbox me on LinkedIn and that's that's okay but it's all about behind the chat as well we need that nice conversation you can have all the experience in the world but if the, the conversation isn't there it just won't work and i think what you're talking about there is the values values of the person come through in a conversation if you have a good deep conversation you can feel the values of that individual coming through and like you yeah. know when you and i first had a conversation i thought to myself yeah, I know. I know I've got Francesca as the right guest because the values are the same and I can feel that. Exactly. I have interviewed thousands of people. Forget the criminals I've interviewed, but I've interviewed thousands of people. Uh, I was a national assessor for the high potential development scheme in the police service. I interviewed for recruitments. I interviewed for promotions in, in my organisation. And we always had this like, I hate to say, but old fashioned structured 
what they call an objective interview situation. And they, they, they made it very objective in terms of, they made it very clinical. It was all around, do they hit this mark? Do they hit that? Do they hit this? But never was there anything around the subjectivity. Now, I understand that you can get really subjective and, you know, you, you might get nepotistic and unconscious bias might kick in. But I think there is some room for some subjectivity when you want to feel somebody's values. You want to test their values and say, will this person be a good fit in my organisation? And I'm guessing that's what you're saying that you are, you are doing. We are doing that. We have done that from, you know, day one. We It's a bit cringy, some of the formal questions you can ask. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying it's going to stay like that. I'm not even saying that because I like to do the interview process with my business partner. We still do it together. And, and as things grow and change, we don't know. However, if the person that's doing it, we would probably share them out, show them our style. And so far, we're not too far wrong, I don't think, on it. But, you know, we might learn and grow and adapt and change it. You know, I'm open to that because hiring is really difficult and you won't get it right. You won't. How's your hiring been? I mean, have you have you had any people that have left the organisation unhappy? We have had someone leave, um, and it was a, it wasn't just about being unhappy. It's about being the right culture fit as well. Um, that was a difficult time. Again, though, communicate, have that conversation, be open and honest, and I think that was the best thing that happened at that time. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough conversation to have. You're right. Absolutely. So difficult. It is. It is hard. Hats off to anyone that's been doing that. You know, inbox me, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> this is all about learning from each other, isn't it? Right, to be the very best leaders that we can be. I have to really think, what would I tell someone to do? And then I know to do it myself because it's easier to tell others what to do. Um, but you just have to embrace that uncomfortable. Don't put uncomfortable conversations off. Rip that plaster off and do it because it always turns out better than you'd hope. So very true. Uh, and, you know, we talked about trust being absolutely foundational. And the next thing I always talk about is how um, having difficult conversations is so important in an organisation. But you just got to do them right. This is people put it off because they're scared to say that and it's going to come across wrong and this, that, the other. There's always ways nicely you can say something really so true what do you do with your staff how do you keep your staff motivated happy you know functioning high high functioning staff what do you do what are some of the things that you do with your staff they're our team they're not staff i've never treat them as staff they're my team we're, we're in it together they know they're better than me they are so much better than me um just by keeping in touch asking them how they are is a start you know you can easily forget to do that question of how are you rather than ringing can you just message that client can you just do that and have you finished them accounts i'd i'd rather check in how they are obviously those things do get done and we do have them conversations um and just keep saying my door's open are you okay and then i'm like are you okay and then you hear that they might not be there's a reason you have to just work with them to sort it out and it's not easy no I, I totally get that I mean one of the things I used to do as a leader was I'd take time out of my day in the morning and time out of my day in the afternoon just to do what I call my management by walkabout yes the walkabout that's what MBWA that's why I'm my, my my PA used to just write MBWA in the, uh, in the in the in the one hour but I literally used to just walk around and it was asking, how are your wife and kids? How's your dog? You've got a new dog. I remember, how's your new baby doing? How's your new house? All this kind of stuff. And when you do this often enough and you connect with your staff, you can hear a change in tone. When things aren't right, they might say the right thing. They might say, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, but you know, because there's a tone, isn't there? People are scared to ask the questions because they might not like what they're, gonna, they're saying. But I want to hear, I say, I want to hear it. Say it. I know it's horrible. <laughs> 
Give it, give it me, because it's feedback. So you want to hear from your staff and your staff that know that they want to hear when they are not happy with maybe things in the workplace, but also when they're not happy with things or they've got pressures outside of the workplace. Uh, and, and, and this is a very, very important issue, isn't it? You know, sometimes in an organisation, when somebody's not performing very well, we automatically go down this poor performance route with them. But actually, what we should be thinking is, uh, well, they were performing a couple of months ago. If they're not performing well now, this, there's, an, there's an issue. What is the issue? Let's get into the issue as opposed to the individual. How do you sort of uh, recognize your team when they're doing really well? What, what sort of things do you, do you do that keeps them motivated and happy? It's an odd one because a lot of people are motivated by money. Um, so it is great to like be able to give them their, their pay rises, which we have stuck to and done. Um, little rewards like we had a team lunch last week. I think I don't know if you saw the post on LinkedIn, but just getting together, buying them at Christmas. I don't know an advent calendar. We've done that every year. Um, just little things like that. Obviously, we had a team Christmas do, um, and we took them out and. Just and I think mostly is just checking in with them as well. It's not all just about the money and what you can pay for and buy. Um, just checking in with them, I suppose. But again, I'm learning. Is there something I could more we could be doing? You know, and listening out is a little more incentives. And we we we're flexible working, so they've done a lot of hours, bless them. But I I don't want them doing overtime, overtime, overtime. I would like them to have flexible time take time off like matt asked can i go and view this house because he's buying a house yeah of course don't i'll make the time up i went no you don't don't make the time up because i know for a fact you've done overtime and i don't like it it's uncomfortable and it's just because they they're so committed which is amazing it's not healthy all the time so i have to keep saying have a break go for a walk take time. if you're not if you can't do the jobs let us know because we'll have to hire again then it's that support all the time what you're saying here is is so just human isn't it it's just about being human it's about uh, you know when you say you're feeling guilty for the amount of hours that they're working and you don't want them working too much overtime uh, and 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 also understanding that not everybody is motivated by just money you know we're seeing now in the world something called the Great Resignation, where people are leaving really well-paid jobs because they're unhappy with the culture and they're going for less money, right? Yeah, I've so, seen it. So it shows that in the world right now, there's a shift in mentality. And I guess one of the reasons why you get good staff and people are waiting to come into your organisation is because they know they're going to feel valued, appreciated, heard and seen. Uh, and that is so very important. for In order for you as the leader... Uh, and Charlotte as a leader to to do that to achieve that create that culture there's an awful lot of stuff that you need to do but it's not complicated stuff is it no it should be it should everything should be so simple in life we overcomplicate it <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely uh, so you've now gone from having zero staff to how many staff now three years later there's eight of us in total and we are hiring again so I, I think it's almost like we've took on two every year and we're going to hopefully take on another two hopefully this year but again things might change and adapt um so yeah that's quite to me though it's not i don't know everyone's like oh my god you grow quite quickly and i'm like no it's not good enough <laughs> <laughs> you're not good enough i'm not done 
Well, there is this thing about growing too quickly, though, isn't there? It presents its own uh, sort of challenges. I mean, I'm I'm just about to do some work with an organisation that has grown so quickly uh, in 10 years that they've not been able to create the culture that they wanted to create. So I'm now going in to, to test the culture and then to help them to reshape that culture so everyone feels happy. Yeah, and we might need that support. Yeah, we might. We, you know, I, I don't know if I've got it right as such, we might have need that support because obviously 10's not as big as if we do get to another two this year. Um, but we need, we thought systems was the thing to get in place. We already had values on our website. Values, we know what our values are and our top one's communication. Um, and if the, if we soon discovered about the, the lack of communication and we can, you know, adjust for that. But yeah, we might need some support on stuff in the future you know as you get bigger but it yeah we did grow quite quickly that it was a bit overwhelming at the beginning if i'm honest yeah <laughs> and i think you're doing all the right things you've got your values in place your values are like for me the very core of who you are as an organization as a team and then around that is about getting that communication but you're not going to get good communication unless you get that other magic ingredient that you talked about earlier on and that's trust Trust is like the foundation. It's what your house is built on, to, so to speak. So, I mean, you have grown so so rapidly and, you know, congratulations to you. Uh, but I know how much hard work must have gone into that. Um, tell me about your journey. What was it like, you know, three years ago when you started it? And and what's, what have you learned along the way? I believed in our business so much. It was ridiculous. I knew. I, it's almost like I, I knew that it was a great service that we could provide but i still had them doubts and i've not been doing it long enough that's one of the doubts that people i'm not experienced enough but you then you'll find the people that know the things that you don't know um yeah i've loved it it's been hard work and it's given but it's gave me a purpose and it's only led me to like hopefully set up another business in the future investing money in other areas um giving me ideas and like the kids, you know, they're going to be well looked after. And, you know, I've come from quite a tight background, if I'm honest, with when it comes to money and thought I'd never amount to anything. And going back to studying is, was amazing as well. Even though it was hard work, it shouldn't be easy. Life should not be easy. You want it to be hard because then you'll know you'll get a good outcome from it. So when you went back to study, when was that? How long ago? I was probably 25 or 26. So I'm 37 now, about 11 years ago. So my son was only one or two. Um, my daughter was five. Um, yeah, so three years. And then I graduated in 25. 14 i think it was and have you been a single parent throughout that journey? yeah on on and off single parent i've got a lovely partner now that's got on the same page as me um i haven't had the best relationships if i'm honest but i was single the whole time i was studying for three years literally nothing because i wanted to concentrate on me my growth my development so it that was uncomfortable it is hard to be on your own but I embraced it. You must have a certain kind of character to have worked so hard for those 11 years, being a single parent, trying to inspire your children every single day uh, and make them feel that they can achieve anything that they want to. Whereas there must have been moments in your life where you thought, I'm going to jack it all in. I'm just going to get a job and, you know, I, I can't do this, etc. There must have been so many limiting beliefs that have come into your head over that those 11 years? Millions and trillions that I thought, what's the point? I'm going to college, I didn't get paid for it. I was on like, when I got my accountancy job in the career that I wanted, I was 
hard on hardly any money, but I was do willing to do whatever it takes. I just stopped having this Starbucks Costa coffees. I stopped going out. I didn't want to drink anymore. I had to just tighten my belt. And I kept thinking ahead. What if this leads to this, if I do this? And that's why I stuck with it, because I kept thinking ahead a lot. I didn't just stick to the now, because otherwise you would give up. I kept thinking ahead and what my future could look like, even if it came to nothing, I suppose. And I don't even know what kept me going, but I just felt... I just had this desire to try and it gave me a purpose studying at the time, little mini things that I was achieving. And look where you are now, just three years after this journey that you've created, this new journey really of, of this accountancy firm, it's doing so well. Um, I wish you nothing but success. And uh, I, I'm so pleased that uh, I came across you on LinkedIn. I thought there was something that resonated straight away. And I thought I just need to get Francesca on here and just talk about your journey. But within that journey that has been as much about you, what's going on inside your own head and sorting out the language inside your own head, which again is very important to run, you know, emotional intelligence when we're talking about self-awareness and self-management. You've done all of that in uh, so many areas. And, uh, and then, of course, about how you build relationships, whether they are relationships with, uh, your, with your uh, clients or relationships with your staff you know, or your team, sorry, the human beings that work with you. You know, it's always about building relationships. And in building those relationships, what you're saying is you've got to have values. You've got to know your values and you've got to look at the values of the other person. You've got to have good communication skills. And that has to be open communication where you're not frightened of having the difficult conversations that need to be had in life. And fundamentally, if when you're building rapport, if you're not having trust with, with, with the other person, then that relationship is doomed to fail eventually. So, Francesca, thank you. Those are the key points I'm going to take away from this. Uh, I think that you're inspiring. Uh, I'm going to watch your journey with so much interest. I know that you're going to do better and better. And I know that you'll end up creating another business. You're going to get bored. You're just one of these people, I can tell. Yeah, yeah watch the space, it's more common. You'll probably end up, I don't know, buying a fleet of uh, HEVs or something <laughs> like that to, to, to meet the demand and supply issues that are going the on. Knowledge <laughs> yeah. You never know. You just never know. Listen, thank you so much. It's been an absolute uh, honour having you on here, and I look forward to catching up with you soon. In fact, I am coming to one of your networking events, aren't I, uh, later on this month? Have you booked on? No, I'm going to book on right now. because no, it's I've sold out. sold out in three weeks. Has it already? sold out oh no no i might just i might just turn up anyway i can sneak you in i'll please sneak do. you in please do i'll send you the link let me just increase one number i'll get told I'll see folks when you're running a podcast you can get all sorts <laughs> but i look forward to meeting you in person thank you so much francesca all the best thank you thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content and of course connect with me on linkedin Take care, have a great day.